How's your prayer life? We do. We want to uh, take a look this morning, as James prompts us, to look at how we enter into life with each other, how we come before our Lord, and how we commune with Him in prayer. And that we would have a relationship with Him that our life is that of a bended knee in need of a Savior, knowing that He's the only one to turn to. And then we'll also teach you five steps to good table prayers so that you have those ready when you need. But truly, how are we in talking with our Lord? What does that look like for us daily? The Scriptures remind us over and over again to, to pray without ceasing, to have a lifestyle engaged with our Creator. That especially in this uh, society and community we live in, that we truly are too busy not to pray. And so what does that look like for us? One of the things as we've been studying James is James is doing a work in our lives and helping us to, to reflect the image of God, to be children of God who are living out who he is so that the world might know his love, his grace, his forgiveness, that we might use our tongues for blessing rather than cursing, that we might not be like everyone else who, who looks down upon the lonely, lowly, but we, we embrace them. All of that reflecting the image of God. One of the prayers, I don't know if we pray very much, is do you pray, Lord, may I today truly reflect You? Would You help me in my Christian walk, in my following of You, Lord Jesus, that, that I reflect You, that people would see You through my life? Do you pray that prayer? You know, do we only pray for specific things as, as the moment happens? Or is it a lifestyle of going, Lord, your will be done and not mine? You know, it's interesting. We had, um, <clears throat> we had some comments last week after patience. And uh, you hear funny comments as people are talking. And, and we, I got into some good conversations about couples, who's more patient, and, and all this stuff. And, and what I heard, and, and I think it was often in jest, but I wonder if it sits true with some of us. Is that, well, you know, I don't, I don't pray for patience because then I know God's going to, you know, bring it on. <laughs> He's going to test me in that area. And so I don't want to pray for it because I know that God's going to do that work when I ask for it. He's going to make sure that uh, it comes about. And I just want to encourage you that, uh, by the way, creator of you, knows every thought, knows every need of your life, and he who began the good work is going to continue to do it till the end of time, whether you pray for it or not. And so don't think you can do this deal. Well, I didn't pray for patience, so thank goodness I'm not going to get tested in that area. Do you know what I mean? Pray that we are being molded into the image of God. Pray that God will sustain you as he molds you, because you will be molded, each and every one of us. And when the tests come and, and He's trying to move us more to be like Him, let Him do that work. Last week, as we finished up, there was a verse, uh, verse 12 that we, we didn't take a look at. And one of the things as we were looking at the, the rich oppressors is they were really putting uh, just a lot of stress 
on their people, taking advantage of the land, uh, the land laborers. The Lord says, hey, I want, you to, I want you to hang in there. I don't want you to be ones who uh, are going to run from this. I want you to know that, that God is with you in this. I want you to have patience in the middle of it. I don't want you to be ones that attack back, that wage war against. And then he throws in verse 12, which when you first read James chapter 5, you go, boy, where does this verse fit? I mean, it's kind of like, again, James really was uh, ADD, I think. He just, you know, he just went from one thing to another and he throws these thoughts in. And this is one of them where you go, James, will just just occur to you or what are we doing here? So here's verse 12. But I wanted to think about it in the midst of our prayer life as well. Above all, my brothers, do not swear by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes, and let your no be no, or you will be condemned. Okay, he just talked about patience, and now he's talking about prayer. And again, above all else, do not swear. And I was thinking, what is James doing with us? James is, is making us, again, to, to live a lifestyle that shows Christ, to live a lifestyle that reflects his image. And I think one of the things he's getting at, and when he says above all else, I was thinking, here again, amidst, I'm asking you to be patient amidst the oppression. I'm asking you to be patient amidst the trial. But in the middle of that, also, above all else, don't, don't get into a place where once again you are, you are doing what the world does, which is uh, you are saying one thing, but you are, you're not keeping to your, your sayings. You're not staying true to your word. I thought, why is that important? Why is James bringing that about? And I thought, one of the things, again, about our Lord Jesus is that He is true. He's true. And He brings nothing but truth. And so a reflection of Him from us is that we would live a lifestyle that is true, that is honest, that is full of integrity, and so he's calling us to, to say, my life, as you live in the middle of this, this persecution, don't do false dealings or don't keep your word. Don't do, what the, don't do what, again, the rest of the world is doing. And the rich landowners, that's how they live. They're the ones who are, you know, saying yes, but not really keeping their deal, keeping their promise. And so call to let your yes be yes and your no be no. Scripture also teaches us in Matthew, he says, you know, I don't want you to swear by heaven or by the Lord's name. There's no need to. Don't bring the Lord into it as though, you know, I bring it in and that that firms up the pact that all stay true. I mean, we do it in the, you know, I don't even actually know if we do it anymore, but, you know, you go into court, you put your hand on the Bible. The truth is of Christians, of followers of Jesus Christ, we shouldn't have to do that. Are you going to tell the truth? You know, I will tell the truth. You want to know why? Because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. You don't need to get me to sign anything. You don't need to get me to put my hand on. I don't need to take an oath. I will tell the truth. Because God is truth. And because the Holy Spirit dwells in my life and therefore I live out in the power of the Spirit. I don't need to lie. That we would be men and women of integrity. That people would know of us that when you say something, it will be held to account and you will live it out. 
You know, it's interesting. I listen to talk radio fairly often, and <clears throat> there's a lot of people who are against our president. And they make fun of him all the time because he kind of, you know, he just rumbles through the English language and he messes it up often. But here's what the, the commentators of this radio show said the other day, and I just found it fascinating. I mean, they were ripping on him because, again, he just doesn't say words right. And, and one of the guys said this. He goes, you know what? George Bush, you know, he slaughters the English language and, and he's, you know, uh, we may not agree with him, but one thing we can say, he's authentic. And they just said it boldly on radio. He's authentic. The way he is behind the scenes is exactly the way he is in front of America. And they talked about him as a praying man. He's a praying man. He prays often. They said he's authentic. I love that. I think George Bush is a godly man. doesn't matter our view on, on where he is politically, but he's a godly man. And the world is seeing, even amidst everything, he's authentic. And may that be true of us, our character. Above all else, would you live a life that reflects truth, authenticity, integrity? Because God does not lie. And so live it out. Pray, oh dear God, may I reflect your image today. May I be a child of yours who lives out in truth, my promises. Let us be authentic. And then he goes on in 13. If any one of you is in trouble, he should pray. If anyone is happy, let him sing songs of praise. If any one of you is sick, he should call to the elders of the church to pray over him. And to anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. What does it look like? Prayer for the sick. And again, we want to look this morning about a lifestyle of prayer. What does it look like individually? What does it look like in our, in our community? And hopefully, as the Spirit keeps reminding us, are we children who are, again, solely dependent on God? Saying, the only way I can live out this day, Lord, is by coming to you, searching out your heart. And so as you look at prayer for the sick, one of the things, again, it says, it says if you're sick, come <clears throat> to the elders. Come and, and they will pray over you and, and they will anoint you with oil. I want you to know something about this church, and I don't, I don't know if you're that familiar with it. But we as elders, we do this often. Many of you have come in, into our midst, or we have gone to your bedside. And we have come together in brokenness and in humility before God and said, God, help. God who created us, God who knows all of our cells, God who knows our physical condition. And we pray. And we lay hands upon and we beg God, His will be done. His will be done. If that's where you're at, I hope you feel comfortable enough to say, would you please pray with me 
or I can't really move, would you come to my bedside? Uh, We will. We will. And we'll trust God together for your life. He calls us to do that. To, To come and to pray for the sick, to anoint with oil, that sense of the Spirit just covering, healing. And He wants us to enter in to pray. It's interesting as we study this passage, there's, um, there's a couple things that we need to look at. And they're, they're kind of a, they're a little bit of a challenge in the sense of, well, what's James really calling us to? What type of prayer is he looking at? When he calls us to pray for the sick, and one of the things I think we know about the Lord Jesus is that he knows. He cares for those who are sick. He entered in often and healed those who were physically sick. And so I think he does. I think he wants us to come alongside and to pray over, to trust God who is the great healer if you're sick. And that we would embrace him and say, Lord, again, what do you have for this person? And Lord, what do you have for our lives together? Teach us what you're doing. And so we do. We pray. I think the other thing that we also see in Scripture is that when the Lord would would go and heal a sick person. He would do it to, to teach a spiritual principle, wouldn't he? That there would be someone who would, was lame and it was an image of, of we're not walking in Christ. Someone who's blind, they don't see. They don't see who I am. And so oftentimes he would use it to teach his disciples about who he was. He let Lazarus die show the power of God, that God can defeat death. Mary and Martha are struggling with it. If only you'd been here, Lord, could have taken care of this. Yeah. This time I did it so you'd absolutely know who I am. The blind man, did it happen because he sinned? Who sinned? Mother, father, who sinned? Nobody. This is just so the glory of God would be manifest, that you might see who I am. And so he calls us to pray, and he uses physical sickness. But I think one of the things that we see all throughout Scripture, although God is very concerned with your health, because you're his child, right? I was up, I'm really tired today. I was, I was up all night with my little four-year-old. He was just coughing all night. And uh, again, you know, I just thought, I think God does this, right? I'm talking about God caring about our physical stuff, and that's me as a dad going, I just can't, here's my little boy, you know, he just couldn't stop coughing. I'm getting all the medicine and Kena's sleeping the whole time. What's up with that? <clears throat> She's not here right now. It's good. So it reminded me of God's, you know, again, as, as just an earthly father going, man, I care for this little boy. And I know God does, right where you're hurting, right today. He cares. But you know what he cares more about? And I think you know this. He cares about what's going on in our soul. He cares about how we're, we're holding on to him and holding on to his truth. He cares that we are falling more in love with him. He cares that we are living out his life because, because his life is life. That's what he cares more deeply about, I believe. 
And so in the middle of our physical illness, there's a deeper reality. I care about who you are becoming. I'm molding you into my image. I am. I'm with you through this journey. But I want you to know me more. I want you to release, to surrender. And so come and pray. The only place you can go to the only person, the only one who can. And so we use sickness. And we are. And the, the, reason, the reason as you study the book of James, you go, the whole book of James is concerned about our spiritual life. And so it seems a little bit odd that all of a sudden his major focus would be on our physical health. Do you know what I mean? I think he's touching on both. But more deeply about our spiritual soul. The word sick here means to, to be weak. To be powerless. To be soul weary. How you doing today? Truly. Man, there's days when we're weak. We are soul weary. Our journey with the Lord is exhausting sometimes. And we're just like, I can't keep running this race. Sometimes we're getting all kinds of attack from the enemy. A lot of times it's our own personal sin that is just defeating us. And I think that's what James is trying to get at. That we would come together and even as we pray, even as the elders pray over the physically sick, we also pray for the, the spiritual life. Lord, heal the soul that might be soul weary, that might be struggling with their faith, that maybe there is truly, because we are all sinners, maybe there is some sin that's going on. You know, sin does, and I think you know, sin takes its physical toll sometimes. We don't say they're sick because they're sinning, but we do know that sin oftentimes takes a physical toll on us. We say it's stress or something like that. It's like, well, it's the burden of sin, and it exhausts our body, and then our body breaks down. So pray over. He says in verse 15 that the prayer of faith will make the person well. And I go, well, how does that look? Call upon the elders and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. That's the only name. How can I keep from singing your name? And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And I go, wow, that's, it, it seems to be speaking to the elders there, actually. And I go, whoa, that's a pretty big burden, Lord. Uh, what if I'm struggling with my own faith, you know? So then it's on me that this person isn't, uh, isn't getting better? Is that the deal? I think what he's trying to get at is come and pray and together in faith that we, again, the faith is that we acknowledge the only one, the King of Kings. We come in brokenness. We come as broken vessels. The elders are broken vessels, only filled with the Spirit, trying to lead in His will. And so we say, Father, we trust You that You are the one who can heal. 
Our faith is that you, you can, your Creator. You knit us together in our mother's womb. You, everything about us you know. So, Father, we pray and we trust you. And the biggest prayer of all that prayer is, and Lord, your will be done. And that's what we need to acknowledge. Lord, your will be done. His will may be that physically you're not healed right now. That may be his will. And there's times when he restores because he just wants to, because he loves you. He's ready. He's done his work. And so we pray that in faith. And I think for you, as, as we pray over each other, again, this is what I love about New Covenant. New Covenant is, again, in 2 Corinthians 3, is this. Man, we are a mess, but we are, we are messes that are, are filled with the God. We are broken, and it's all God, nothing but us, but we need to be willing to be used of God to enter into his kingdom work. Part of that kingdom work is that we're praying over each other. And we do it only in his strength. And we do it only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we're weak people. You know? Man, if it's based on me to, to make Paul better, wow. That's, that's just not the way God works. But I trust God for Paul's life. Trust God for Kevin's life. Trust the Lord for that. His will be done. And so we pray. And I hope together, not only as the elders, and again, we, we do this. You know, we, some people, <clears throat> they ask us, even our staff ask us this sometimes. Like, tell us a little bit about, you know, what's happening, what happened Monday night, or what's happening in the elder meetings. And sometimes we don't have a lot to report because, honestly, uh, we were praying for an hour and a half. You know what we were praying for? We were praying for you. We were praying for direction from the Lord. Lord, is there anywhere you want to take us in this church? That's what we do. And I pray for us as a, as a church that we, we continue to become a praying church. You know, again, we all want to do. You know, that, that feels good because you can maybe accomplish a task. And for those of us who have the, the checkoff list, that feels pretty good. But to just be people on bended knee, there is no greater task. God, what do you have for this church? What do you have for my life? How do you want to use me in your kingdom work? That's what we do at elder meetings. We study the word. We pray. We go through some, you know, a few business items, but that's not our biggest priority. Because we know we can't go anywhere without searching out God's heart for this church. So pray, and it will as we trust God who can heal, and He does, we pray, O oh Lord, Your will, not mine, be done. And the NIV you know, has an interesting translation in verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. I, I just want to tell you that's just a really bad translation. It just is. It's, it's, uh, it misses the core. NIV does a nice job in, in smooth-flowing Scripture so that it's readable. But sometimes it misses the, the real word. And if we pray, it will, as we lay hands, as we pray over the person, 
the, the word is instead of making the person well is it will save him. And so it, it lends us to the idea of there's something going on spiritually as well. Pray in such a way that it will cover and it will save him. And, and it, the Lord will raise him up. It will restore him to health. It'll actually, the, the word has the idea, it will rescue them out of destruction. God cares for both, but He cares most deeply for our spiritual lives. And it says the Lord will raise Him up. And that's the key, right? It's not the elders raise Him up or the people who are praying over that person raises Him up. It's the Lord, and He's the only one who can. And the word actually says to raise up means to wake from sleep. To wake from death. Let the Lord God do a soul digging into us. What is the work that needs to be done? So sometimes they come for physical illness. But also we pray each other, over each other because, you know what, sometimes sin, sin is just like, ah, oh, I can't do it anymore. I'm just so, I, I just... I want to follow God, but I'm just I'm trapped right now, and I'm begging God. I'm still struggling. And we need each other to beg of God that He will raise up. I mean, let's stop fooling ourselves. We sin. And when we keep entering into that, we know it puts a heavy burden on us. And the Lord says, I will raise you up. And that person, if they have sinned, guess what the promise is? And you will be forgiven. Amen to that? You will be. So let us come together and as a praying body, let's pray over. And if you need prayer before the elders, because you know what? And we don't sit here and go, oh, I can't believe you. It's man, let's cover you with prayer because this burden is too heavy to do it alone. We don't want you to walk through it by yourself. Therefore, confess your sins. Therefore, because God raises up. Therefore, because God cares. Therefore, because God wants to release you from this. Let's confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And then he talks about Elijah again, who just a normal guy, but... Man, he prayed that it stopped raining, it stopped. He prayed that it rain again, it would. He prayed for fire to come down, and it did. Because he was in communion with God. When asked to pray, it wasn't stumbling through, oh dear Lord, day by day. He had this connection with the Heavenly Father, Abba Father, that was just, I, I, I know, the only person I can turn to is God. Because he's lover of my soul. He's creator of the universe. He's the only one who can do anything here. And so I do. I turn to him. And so let us confess our sins to each other because we need prayer to cover that. And this is where, this is where it gets really hard. Because we, we, we all have this burden of sin at times. And, and again, sometimes it's heavier than other times. And we, we really long to just release that. You know, this whole, this whole world of ours, 
because they recognize the burden of sin, what they've done to accommodate that, people don't necessarily go to the confessionals anymore, the confession booths. So we have this thing called Internet. And there are literally hundreds of places where you can go and confess your sins on the Internet. They are confessionals, confessional rooms. And so I went, you know, and you go and you read some of these, and they're just trying to pour out, I mean, from stealing to adultery to, you know, all these things. But people just have to get it off their chest. But unless they have the Lord Jesus Christ that can free them truly from that, the release is is for the moment versus eternal. People need to confess. And I think what that does for us is we realize that is we have to do a soul search. Lord, you know, the reason is I, I ask the question, I go, why is it maybe that we don't do that? And I think it's because, you know, again, sometimes we come in and we share with a brother or sisters, you know, share with sisters, and that you go, you go, wow, I'm sharing this thing, and it feels like the person's just coming down on me. I mean, just nailing me. I think we have to ask God, God, who am I? Am I a person that can... Another brother or sister can come and, and share their heart and they don't feel like I'm the one that's condemning them. Because we need to confess. I think what that also means is that we need to pray, Lord, would you put at least one person in my life that I might be able to do that with? And then you start a lifestyle that's honest with each other, that confesses to one another. A community that just begs God. To confess means to agree with, to say the same thing as. And you can go and you can confess on, online, but the problem with that is that there's no community to undergird you. This is why we need the body of Christ. We need to undergird and to hold on to, help each other walk through this, acknowledge that we are all wretched sinners in need of a Savior, and that we will pray together that God will bind the enemy, will, will help us with the power of the Holy Spirit to control our fleshly desires. And so we do that together. Agree with God that, God, your way is true. Even though it doesn't feel good to go this way, I'm going to trust it because you are true. The power of sin is in its hiddenness. Stop hiding your sin. All of us need to do that. We need to just lay it out. And so let us be brothers and sisters, too, that hear it. We don't share it with other people. Let us be ones who are trustworthy. When we say to each other, and this will stay confidential, that means your yes is yes. We will be people who keep it confidential, but we will pray as we do that together. Prayer accomplishes much in our lives. Let us do it for each other. Brothers, it says in verse 19, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from error in his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. In a community, as one tries to maybe sneak away, in community, as maybe a brother or sister actually tries to run away because of the guilt and the shame of their sin. The call is is that we would be brothers and sisters who would go after. 
We don't just let them sneak out the back door. Or we don't just say, oh, can't believe what they did. Heck with them. They're selfish. They're just living a destructive lifestyle. They're they're broken. They're enslaved right now for the moment. And they need help. They need to be covered and cared about. Helping them see their sin. Not verbally lashing at that person. Moving them back into relationship with God. And when we do that, it says we will save them. A multitude of sins. In community, God calls us to care about our community. The souls of our brothers and sisters. Brothers, if someone is trapped in a sin, this is Galatians 6.1, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Do you hear that? You who are spiritual, that means you who are are listening to the Spirit. You're in a place with the Lord right now that you're following Him. Go restore Him gently. Speak truth. Speak truth. But let's restore Him. Let's bring Him back. We step into the life of each other. And when we do, it covers a multitude of sins because love has paid the price. We remind them that love has paid the price for your sin. You can come back. You can be restored. You can be healed. The Lord will still receive you. God has given us resources to begin anew. And so we pray for the Lord to intervene. And He is the one who will lift up. We are the voice of truth and grace. And we go and we save. So let us be a praying people. Praying over those who are physically ill, but praying even deeper for a life together that is spiritually growing.